You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. Penn State's 4-0. Way back on Friday night, Penn State took care of business, beating Illinois 63-24. It wasn't the most direct route to a 39-point victory, but it was a 39-point win. There are some good things about it, some bad things about it, and... The main thing is that Penn State is 4-0 and now plays its biggest game of the season this week against Ohio State. So yes, it's Ohio State week. The Buckeyes are coming to town. College game day is coming to town. It's the game of the week in college football, and it should be should be something. The lead-up's going to be great. We're going to be talking about it all week here on Locked On Nittany Lions to get you ready for that game. We're also going to have a little bit of the of a recap from Friday night's win against Illinois because there was a lot to digest and a lot happened. Uh, a lot happened, some good, some bad. We're going to break that down on today's show. We'll also look ahead a little bit to the Ohio State game. Uh, we're going to start with our Monday Rewind, looking back at Illinois. And then later in the show, John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times is going to join us. He's going to give his take from what he saw in Champaign, and we're going to play a little up or down on a few statements in our last segment of the show. So make sure you stick around for that. But all right, we are going to start with our Monday Rewind, starting with what we saw in Penn State's big win over Illinois. And look, the final score was great. The way Penn State got there, not quite as great. Uh, it, it wasn't the game you were looking for if you were like me and were kind of hoping to just be able to like doze off on your couch at halftime. Uh, you couldn't really comfortably fall asleep until the middle of the fourth quarter once Penn State really stepped on the gas and pulled away. Uh, Penn State was losing in the second half to Illinois, which is not good. The defense looked rather shaky at times, and it's not. it wasn't the... It wasn't a boost of confidence for that unit heading into a test against arguably the best offense in the country in Ohio State. Penn State gave up 411 yards to Illinois. 245 of those yards were rushing yards. Not wonderful. So many questions still linger on this defense. The linebackers still look like inexperienced linebackers. John Reed was back uh, at cornerback but didn't didn't look 100%, or at least just didn't look like the player he was two years ago before he tore his ACL. And it's... Penn State's had four games, and it's 4-0, but, man, it, it you, you wanted the defense to maybe be further along than it was and to kind of have a better idea of who is going to be the guy or the guys for them who can come up with big plays when they need them because right now it's... It's just not not great on that side of the ball. But they did they did shut down Illinois in the last couple possessions, and they did enough on a couple drives to get Penn State the ball back. And that offense just looked incredible in the second half. Miles Sanders had his best game to date as a Penn State running back. He he hit 200 yards for the first time in his college career. Trace McSorley was solid again. The numbers weren't huge, but he was solid. And the offensive line has looked very good. And you kind of expected that this year. You hoped that Penn State finally could have a good offensive line after the sanctions and 
years of maybe under recruiting at the position have kind of set it back, but now they are finally in a position where they have a very good offensive line and it's a plus for this team and it opened up some huge holes for Miles Sanders, for Ricky Slade, for Trace McSorley on some dropbacks and designed runs. It was, it looked great. I mean, they're going to have another big test next week, obviously, if Ohio State has Nick Bosa or not. Ohio State's defensive line is a real deal and gave Penn State fits last year, but that unit is in a good position, and this offense is in a great position. Penn State has scored 55.5 points per game. That is the best mark in the country through four weeks. The number two offense in the country is Ohio State with 54.5 points per game. So there's an interesting stat heading into Saturday's game. It's going to be the two most high-scoring offenses. I don't think the game's going to be 55 to 54, but it could be in the 30s or 40s. You'd you'd kind of expect that. Uh, Another interesting stat that I saw this weekend, um, Brent Yarnia from the Big Ten Network tweeted this out. Uh, In the last three games, Penn State has outscored its opponents 114 to 7 in the second half. So that is just an incredible number and an incredible disparity, but Yeah, Penn State has been really, really doing a good job of pulling away in the second half of these last couple games. And uh, so what it means, the Illinois win, which was expected, means, and just kind of what it means from a big picture point of view heading into this game, it means that Penn State's 4-0 and it has an offense that is extremely dangerous and can put up points on anyone and can do so in a hurry. And it has a defense that has a lot of questions. It's kind of where we were a month ago before Penn State played any games, but it just seems like maybe the offense is a little better than people thought it would be going into this season with how much it had to replace. And maybe the defense isn't quite as good. Those questions, as I mentioned earlier, have not been really answered. Uh, and it, it, it does kind of stink for Penn State that they have to play this game that could decide the fate of the Big Ten and who the Big Ten sends to the college football playoff this early, but it just it, it's not it's not something that can be relied on. But they do have some talented players that, and you never know who could show up with in a whiteout game with that crowd. So maybe something will happen, something will click for that defense, but it is not going to be easy against Ohio State. Um, but yeah, these first four games haven't the results have kind of been what you expect, except for the Appalachian State game. And maybe you wouldn't think the pick game would end up so lopsided, but it's kind of like they got there in a weird way, just like the Illinois final score. Like Penn State's had, they out of the first four games, out of the 16 quarters they've played, there's been five or six of those quarters that make you feel really uneasy and are, are really worrying about what this team is going to be once it starts playing these Ohio States, Michigan States, Michigan's, Iowa's, Wisconsin's. It's... There have been a lot of times like that this season where the defense is giving up big chunks of yardage and a lot of points and where the offense has stalled a little bit. But then there's also five or six quarters where Penn State's scoring a touchdown every time it touches the ball, putting up huge numbers yardage every time it touches the ball, and the defense is doing enough to force the off- to get the ball back in the hands of the offense. And it makes you think, this team, you know, if a couple things go their way, could win the Big Ten. So... This is it, though. Penn State's 4-0. That's what's important. They're number nine in the country. This is the game. It's the biggest game in college football this week. 
It's going to be talked about more than any other game Penn State will play this year, at least in the regular season leading up to it. And here, here's the thing. Ohio State came in here in 2016, and Penn State upset the Buckeyes, and it kind of vaulted Penn State back into that national spotlight and back into a, among those upper echelon of programs, among those teams that are these who are recruiting well, who are playing well, and who are perennial top 15, top 10 college football playoff contenders. And Penn State's been in that conversation and been one of those teams in the last two years. And if they can do this again, if they can beat Ohio State again, I think it launches them into that conversation about being on that level of where Ohio State is. Because Ohio State's been the cream of the crop of the Big Ten. They've been the Big Ten's best team for 15, 20 years. And it hasn't, you know, every year, you know, sometimes Michigan State got Ohio State or Wisconsin did, and Michigan's beat them a few times, but mostly like they've been the Big Ten's brand, the Big Ten's identity has been Ohio State's the favorite every year going in, and that's who's probably going to represent them in the college football playoff if someone does. But if Penn State can win this game, and the way they've been performing nationally, the way they've been recruiting, if Penn State can beat Ohio State again, they almost did it last year, if they can pull it off in 2018, I think we can start having a serious conversation about Penn State being on that same echelon of a powerhouse program as where Ohio State is. So that could be what's at stake this week at Beaver Stadium. And I'm excited for the for the buildup for this. I'm, I, I like weeks like this where Penn State's in the game of the week. Game day is coming to town. A lot of people are going to be talking about it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to, to talk about this thing and get ready for it. I'm not sure exactly if the outcome is going to be that fun for Penn State and Penn State fans. I think Ohio State is talented enough to win this game by 25. But Penn State has a great offense, and they're playing a home whiteout game at Beaver Stadium. You never know what will happen. College football is fun. This week's going to be fun. We're going to have you covered for the game on Locked On Nittany Lions. We'll have plenty of chatter about it for the next couple shows leading up to Saturday night's game. We'll have insight from people who cover Penn State, from people who cover Ohio State. We'll have a top five countdown of some sort. We'll have all our usual segments this week to get you ready for that game. On today's show, John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times is going to join us. We'll talk to John in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about Locked On Nittany Lions sponsor, MyBookie. So ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for betting advice. And honestly, I don't know who's going to win but I know it's a smart bet to bet with my bookie. Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. So that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. They've been in business for, for years. They have great reviews online. Their mobile site is super easy to use. My bookie is your go-to site for betting. Also, locked on listeners get a special offer. If you use the promo code on college 25, that's O N. C-O-L-L-E-G-E-2-5 when signing up with MyBookie. You'll get, they will match your deposit dollar for dollar on deposits up to $1,000. So go to MyBookie, use the promo code ONCOLLEGE25 and they will match your deposit. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Locked on Nittany Lions is also brought to you by FanDuel. So football season is back. That means fantasy football season is back. And FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before this season. 
So FanDuel has a Survivor Contest, Gridiron Pick'em, a game called Guru. You can also play against your friends. And FanDuel also has a new Beat the Score Contest. So instead of having to come in first place amongst a whole sea of competitors, you just have to beat a preset score. Anyone who beats the score wins money. It's pretty simple. It's also pretty simple for new users of FanDuel to go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and get $20, a $20 bonus when they sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. And new users signing up on that link will get $20 when they make an account with FanDuel. FanDuel has more ways to win than ever before this season, so what are you waiting for? Happy to be rejoined this week by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. He covers the Penn State Indian Lions. He was in Champaign, Illinois on Friday night. Johnny, uh, how are you and how was the trip in Champaign? What are your overall takeaways from that game? Well, thanks for having me on, Piano. Um, so Friday was something. I, I mean, <laughs> they ended up winning 63-24, to but again, it, it kind of felt like the pit game where you know, at, at halftime, you feel like it's it just not they, – they didn't feel like a top-10 team at halftime. You know, you, you give up 174 rushing yards to Illinois. who They do run the ball well, but, you know, Illinois had, had run the ball well in the previous three games against Kent State, Western Illinois, and South Florida. That's not, that's not Penn State. That's not a Big Ten defense that's supposed to contend for a spot in the college football playoff. So – at halftime, it was it was just really dicey, and then they go out and they just blow the doors off the Illini. Um, really, after the after Illinois' first series in the second half, so it was just a weird game. It, it was like Pitt, you know. I, I don't know if, if we learned anything from this game. It's that I, I still don't think the defense is where it, you know needs to be to be on a you know college football playoff, Big Ten champion level. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, just there's been so many moving parts in that defense and. Obviously hasn't come along like the coaching staff and the players have wanted it to in the first four weeks. What have they kind of said about that? And what are some of the reasons they're giving why like maybe they are not playing at the level that they had hoped uh, four weeks into the season? There, yeah, look, so I asked, uh, I asked James Franklin after the game, I was, you know, it's <laughs> basically like, hey, do you guys have 11, you know, 11 guys that you feel really comfortable with as starters? Or is it still up in the air because they are rotating a lot? And his response was like, we don't have 11 guys. And like, we don't have an eraser who, you know, James has said in the past, like an eraser for them is like just erase problems on the defense. Like that one guy, like Cabinda was that guy, you know, you think of Brandon Bell. Um, and so they don't have that. And, and in the past, you know, players and James and assistants have all been asked, like, who's the one, who is the leader on defense? And they're like, oh, everyone's leaders. Well, it's kind of like if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. You have 11 leaders on a defense. You don't really have one, you know, taking control. So all these rotations, it's just it's just been weird. I mean, on the third series of the game, Illinois goes down and you know, six plays, 74 yards, easy touchdown drive. You had two starters on the field there with Cam Brown and Nick Scott, and they were surrounded by backups. Like, I understand you need to get these young guys reps. You need to get Micah Parsons, Ellis Brooks, Jonathan Sutherland, you need to get them work so that you know you hope that they can build that confidence going into this, you know, really the meat of your Big Ten schedule. But 
do that early in the game uh, when it's not really fully put away and it just kind of breaks things up. You know, they haven't looked consistent and it's just, it's just a weird situation. But yeah, I mean, James admitted that James Franklin admitted that they don't have 11, you know, 11 guys. They just have a bunch of rotating parts right now, which is, which is not good. Yeah. And one of those rotating parts who was, who was back in on Friday night was John Reed missed off last season with a knee injury missed last two weeks before the Illinois game. Uh, because of it, because of the lingering effects like it. Played against Illinois, didn't look his best, and hasn't looked, maybe it's Russ, maybe it's just not playing for two years, hasn't looked like the guy from 2016. Where, where do you think he can be this season? Uh, do, do they hope that he can, can be a starting quarterback and a, a big part of this defense? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. So the thing with John Reed is, so he, James Franklin was asked after the game about him, and Franklin's like, hey, he still you know looks like a guy who didn't play last year, and you need to take a step or maybe two. And I think maybe even three for, you know, from my perspective, I mean, the, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a shame to see, you know, him not be able to recapture his former form this early in the season. It is early in the season. He has some time to grow into it, but you know, that, that corner position is, is looking kind of shaky with the way that John Reed has played Donovan Johnson, who we didn't receive an update on him, but, you know, he left the game with an apparent right shoulder injury, came back on the sideline with a sling. He was a guy who was filling in for John Reed as that primary nickel corner, redshirt freshman, really fast. I, I think he's been a really important part to this defense. And if he's not able to go and if John Reed's not the normal John Reed, you're looking for, you know, Zach McPherson or, you know, some other more reserve guys to step in and, and play a bigger role against Ohio State and Dwayne Haskins, who has looked incredible so far this season. So, you know, with John Reed, with, uh, you know, maybe Donovan Johnson will play this week. We don't know. We'll ask James Franklin on Tuesday at his press conference. But, yeah, it's just uh, not a great situation for the corners right now. Mm-hmm. But there are there are more positives on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, Penn State has the highest scoring offense in the country. So, clearly, there are positives there. One group I wanted to talk about who I think maybe is getting overlooked a little bit but has – unlike the defenses look like they've come a long way in the first couple weeks is the offensive line uh obviously helped Penn State rush for 387 yards Miles Sanders burst out for 200 behind that line but they look they look good they kind of look like a strength and that's what Penn State had hoped to see out of that unit what have you seen out of the first four weeks of this is of that group up front and how important are they to this offense yeah so really quick back to the defense because there there were like a pot I mean you know, it, it wasn't great in the first half, but they did bounce back like they did against Pitt. They shut them down. They made their adjustments. So if you're looking for positive out of that unit, it's not all negative, but it just seems like there's more negative than positive. But with positives on the offensive line, I mean, they were just – they were blowing open holes for Miles Sanders. And even when they weren't, Miles Sanders is strong enough that he can bounce off guys, bounce – you know, go through guys. He, he looks like – he looks like a speedier Tony Hunt. He looks like a – a guy with 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 a lot of power, with a lot of purpose. He's decisive, you know. And and in twenty on twenty two carries against Illinois, he wasn't stopped behind the line of scrimmage once. He stopped for no gain once, but everything else was going forward. It was five, six, seven yard chunks. And and you know, James Franklin talked about it after the game. Was was like, hey, watching Saquon Barkley run for two years, you know you can kind of get worried a little bit that some of the let's bounce it and make a big play on every single play might rub off on miles. And it doesn't look like that's been the case, 
you know, he's known when to lower his shoulder and just get three or four yards. And that's huge. I mean, it really is huge when you're, when you're trying to get consistency on the offense, when the passing game throughout the first three games, wasn't really clicking the way you want it to, to have a guy go out there, put up 200 rushing yards, three touchdowns and behind an offensive line that is finally opening up holes and doing its job is an encouraging sight. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That unit has, has looked good all season and will be, tested a lot against Ohio State. All right, we have John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times on the line. You can find him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9. We're going to step away for a quick break, but when we come down, when we come down, when we come back, we're going to have a couple up or down questions with John about the Ohio State game. So stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. If you're looking for Penn State Ohio State tickets this weekend, or looking for a ticket for any game or show you want to go to, I highly recommend checking out Vivid Seats. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or even look seats up in the section and row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners of Locked On Nittany Lions an exclusive promo code. New customers can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more if they use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Every purchase on Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more when you're a new customer. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. All right, we are back on Locked On Nittany Lions. We're ending today's show with our up or down segment for this week. We're with John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. We're going to give him a couple statements about Ohio State, Penn State. He's going to tell us if he's up or down on them. Uh, We're going to start with the fact that it's a big game. And they're sending, they're sending that show. ESPN is sending game day there where the men in suits will talk about the game and the one guy puts on the costume at the end and everyone cheers or boos. It's a, it's, it's a whole fun time. So we're recording this on Sunday evening. We don't exactly know yet where Penn State is going to be hosting this this year. However, last year it was at Old Main Lawn. A couple years before when they hosted game day, it was up by the stadium. So John... Are you up or down as Old Main as a college game day set location? Up. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I love the Old Main backdrop. I think that, like just that area of campus is so nice. It's so open that you have enough room. I mean, what else are you going to have uh, You know, as, in terms of locations? Like in front of Beaver Stadium? Eh. Right, yeah, they would put it like right outside the BJC. And no, I, I, think, I think the whole the – whole, the greatness that's you know that is college game day the aura about it is that they go to campuses like when when college game day was out of the big time title game when they go to like the neutral site games or like nfl stadiums it just doesn't have the same feel but when you're on campus it is so cool and that's what makes the show great and i love it on old man yeah i'm i'm with you there i was kind of surprised last year when they made the announcement that it was gonna be on old main just because before it had had not been they'd never done it there but I was skeptical of it, but I think it's a. It looks so good on TV, and it's. I'm assuming it's very fun in person, and it's easier for kids to get to. So I, I'm. I'm. I'm with you. I'm up on that. 
All right, moving on. Uh, Penn State's offense, again, currently leads the nation with 55.5 points per game. Last year, Penn State ranked 7th overall in the country with 41.1 points per game. John, my statement is Penn State will beat that average of 41.1 points per game at the end of 2018. Are you up or down on that? Up. I'll go up. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think this game is ugly. Uh, I think, you know, you, you look at some of the, the games that they have uh, throughout the schedule, Iowa, Wisconsin, at Michigan. Those could be those could be some low scores, but you have Wisconsin and Iowa at home. You've got the typical. You've got the Rucker. You got Rutgers. The Rutgers. You've got the Maryland. Uh, you've got Indiana. So I think I think there's going to be enough opportunities to put a crap load of points on the board. And look, they put up that high number last year, and yeah, they put up 52 on Akron last year, but they only scored 33 on Pitt uh, at home and. So I think, you know, they've got it all, gone off to a good start, and I think they'll continue that throughout the season. Yeah, I I mean, this offense, it just seems like they're at the point where they're going to go out and score 30. It doesn't matter. Like, even against Iowa, against Wisconsin, against Ohio State, it feels like they can go out and score 30 pretty much every game, and they can do that almost in one quarter sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And that's – and like I mentioned earlier, that's without the passing game clicking. You know, the – Friday night was the first time that Juwan Johnson looked like a legitimate, you know, all Big Ten type receiver. And, and, you know, DeAndre Tompkins really hasn't found his rhythm yet as a receiver. He had that one, you know, 39-yard touchdown catch against Kent State, but he hasn't really found his rhythm. I mean, K.J. Hamler, I think, is just scratching the surface of what he can do uh, offensively. Tommy Stevens hasn't been involved at all. And, you know, he's he's good for three kind of trick play-ish touchdowns, three or four this year. So I, I think, I think there's so much more that this offense can do and will do. So that's why I'm, I'm going the over. Yeah. Yeah. They, you're right. They really haven't hit their stride and, Oh man, I'm just thinking about them now using Tommy Stevens for a trick play <laughs> touchdown in the first quarter on Saturday night and Beaver stadium, just losing its mind. That would be, that would be, it could have, I mean, I think they could do it. They could oh, it definitely it. could. And look, they, you know, James mentioned that at his, at his press conference last week that, you know, if if Tommy was needed, that he could play. Uh, you know, it basically, if Trace got hurt against Pitt or against Kent State, that Tommy would have stepped in. But why use the kid? Why one? Why risk the injury if if he's still, you know, if he's ninety nine percent? You know, don't don't risk it. But then also, don't show anything when when you've got Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa, you know, coming up. Like, don't show anything, especially when you have your big game this Saturday coming up and. Look, that would be uh, that would be, that would be Ricky Ronnie going to Joe Moorhead. Hold my beer if Tommy Stevens on that first year series. I mean, yeah, I kind of hope it happens. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if it does. It would be it would be pretty great if it did. Um, all right, John, last one. So I was looking this up and I, I was actually surprised by this. I was just checking out ESPN's FPI, which calculates every game and who has you know what percent chance to win this game. And they are actually giving, their computers are actually giving Penn State a 53.6% chance to beat Ohio State on Saturday. Seemed higher than I would have guessed. Uh, Odds makers have Penn State as a three and a half point underdog at home. But going back to the FPI line, 53.6% chance to win. Are you up or down on that number that ESPN's computers spit out there? I'm down on that number. Uh, I, you know, I haven't. 
I haven't, you know, gone into what my prediction will be and, and all that kind of good stuff. I still have to watch, you know, some got to watch the film. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I'm down on that a little bit just because, yeah, it's a whiteout your home, but you have these issues defensively. You haven't clicked uh, offensively. And there's a lot of potential there for you to go out and click 100% on both ends of the ball and win. But uh, I really like what Ohio State's been able to do. I like Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, first-time starter at, like, you know, whiteout Beaver Stadium. It's going to be tough for him. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. But then again, like, with percentages, I'm, you know, I'm – yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a tight game. So 50-50 or, you know, whatever it is, it does, it's not, like, crazy. But it, it does surprise me because it seems like the narrative is that Penn State is this big underdog. and. It's not. Yeah, anything anything could happen Saturday night at Beaver Stadium. Well, John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times, whatever does happen on Saturday night, we look forward to talking about it with you next week. But thanks for coming on again. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. You can follow him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9. All right, so that will do it for Monday's edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. Thank you, as always, for listening. As we mentioned, it is, it's a big one this week, so we'll have tons to talk about in the next few days to get you ready for Penn State, Ohio State, so make sure you check back later in the week for more shows. You can find Locked on Nittany Lions on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review while you're there. Really, really appreciate that. You can find Locked On Nittany Lions on Twitter, at Locked On Nittany. Uh, we're looking for a lot of feedback on there. We tweet out polls pretty much every day. So if you'd like to interact with us on there, that's a great way to do it. You can also email the show. It's LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. So thanks for all the feedback that you've been giving us. Uh, we look forward to discussing Penn State, Ohio State more in the coming days. I'll talk to you on Tuesday.